We get it, you're busy. You wanna grow and we wanna help. You're passionate about your craft because it deeply matters to you. Your faith is important, it's your foundation. At Stay Forth, we coach leaders to avoid burnout, live and lead with clarity, purpose, and from a place of health. We want you to experience long-term impact. Welcome to the journey. Hey friend, welcome to 2024. I hope this is an incredible year for your life and leadership. I know there's this pressure at the beginning of a year. Maybe it was the goals that we set, maybe it was what was building up in us over break, but we wanna turn that pressure into results, into momentum, into next steps, and we wanna help you do that. We are hosting the Effective Leader Cohort to get you launched, to get you ready for 2024 and to get you moving. It starts at the end of this month and we'd love for you to consider it. If you are a leader in any field who cares about the health of heart, soul, mind, relationships, who really wants to make 2024 count, we want you to jump in. Now it's eight weeks, eight weeks of skills, eight weeks of tools, eight weeks of community, and eight weeks of learning. This will get you off to a great start for 2024. Hop into the Effective Leader Cohort starting in just a few weeks. You can go to stayforth.com backslash coaching. That's stayforth.com backslash coaching or get the link below in the show notes. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah. I've followed you at a distance um, now for a while. And this one, I was like, whoa, scalability, growth, marketing, all things that we're talking about here, um, both in our physical space and on the podcast. These are things we've touched in the last few months. So perfect timing. First of all, man, congrats uh, on your new book, Get Scalable. What was the writing process like for this one? Laborious, painful, and nothing I want to repeat anytime soon. And I think anybody who's written the book, um, that didn't just type some stuff into chat GPT would say the same thing. That's how you know I actually wrote it. Totally. Uh, but no, it was it really was a labor of love. I've written some books in the past. I'm a firm believer in the the only real good the only real reason to write a book is because you have something to say. Totally. Um, and so it was nice to have a platform to say it. So yeah. Um, I would never compare it to birthing a child. Um, my wife of 20 years. Uh, She'd slap you probably kids. right. She would slap me so yeah. Hard. That's it's so not hard. fair and and deservedly so. Um, but I think it's the closest. Uh, maybe next to passing a kidney stone that a man can come to birthing a child. Well, you've done it. You're on the other side of it. Hopefully the fun part here. Um, first of all, when somebody asks, Ryan, what do you do? What do you tell them? Oof. It depends on who I'm talking to. So if I am at, uh, if I'm at a family function or something like that, I say, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and have a number of businesses and we'll kind of try to leave it at that. Uh, if I'm in a business setting, then it depends because oftentimes I'll go and talk to marketers. And so I'll, I'll say, I'm the founder and CEO of digitalmarketer.com. And you know we help train uh, marketers and, and agencies. And so I'll kind of talk about the marketing side, which is definitely an aspect of what I do. If I'm talking to entrepreneurs, I'm, I'm more going to speak into what frankly is what I actually do, which is uh, I'm the founder and CEO of The Scalable Company. And we help entrepreneurs install operating systems so that they can scale their businesses without sacrificing their souls. Because at the end of the day, we want to acquire businesses. And so this is a way for us to kind of have a front end for private equity. 
Um, if I'm sitting next to a total stranger on an airplane and they're asking me that, I say that I sell life insurance so that they don't ask me any more questions because I'm scared of strangers. Wise yeah. man. There you go. Yeah. You know, that whole selling your soul um, piece of that, we use a similar language even right here on the podcast because there are these accidental beliefs um, that can be really dangerous before heading into the entrepreneur life. Or for me, um, I was in ministry for many years before I started leading in business. So I, I had some broken beliefs around marketing. What are a couple of those broken beliefs around marketing um, that you commonly hear? Well, I, th- I think, um, you know, I, I think they're broken beliefs that are tragically accurate. And that is that marketing is inherently interruptive and marketing is inherently manipulative. And I think the reason that a lot of people believe that is because sadly, it's true in a lot of cases. There are bad actors out there who would, who, you know, who do seek to purely interrupt and who do seek to manipulate. But that's also a bit like, um, you know, if you're if you're in ministry saying like, well, I don't really trust preachers because they just want to get my money. Sure. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, if you're a minister and, and uh, you, in that, that would understandably offend you. But the reality is, is that there are a class of people who that sure. is all that they want. Yeah. And, and so I think the same is true for marketing. I think the same could be true of any field. But marketing at its best, I think, is a beautiful thing. Uh, marketing is the amplification of a brand's values. You know, a lot of people say that, um, you know, if, if the product is good enough, it speaks for itself. Well, no, it doesn't. It literally <laughs> right. doesn't speak for itself. It needs someone to speak for it. And this has been true throughout all of time. You know, I mean, you even think about like, uh, you know, an artist like Van Gogh. People don't realize that Van Gogh would have been nothing if it weren't for his brother, Theo, who told the world about him. And so everything that is great we only know about it because there was a marketer who was there trumpeting its value. Now, the product's got to be able to li- to deliver on the claims. And when the yes. claims um, overstate what's there, well, that's bad. But you can't just throw the baby out with bathwater. You can't say that, you know, well, because some people do this bad, that means the thing is inherently bad. I think it's a really immature approach to it, especially if you're in business, right? If you're in business and your goal is to, is to generate revenue and make money and employ people, um, that's just naive. Uh, I was call it what it is. Just being naive. I'll give you know, I'll give nonprofits and pastors, I guess, a little bit of a pass, but even then, not really, yeah. Because they still got a, they got, they got a payroll, they got lights they have to keep on, yep. Stuff like that. All that requires money. Money requires something to be sold. If something is going to be sold, somebody needs to understand the value of that something, and that's marketing. Yeah, totally. It, even I mean, you could call it an engagement funnel. But to say that's just how people work and nobody's going to believe in our work more than we do, right? Everybody wants to write a book, just chuck it on Amazon and never do anything else. But it turns out going on things like podcasts and sharing your message will connect with listeners. And one of the things that keeps me up at night- Yeah, it's romance. Yeah, turns out. Yeah. One of the things that keeps me up at night is thinking about how many great ideas are out there by incredible leaders, but who- just never get the light of day. They never even know how to promote it or it gets out there. Uh, and so it's interesting how much of our time comes back to that of how do we share this amazing thing with the world instead of the 98% of our energy or 99 we spent actually building the thing that never gets out there. I'd imagine that's something that kind of messes with you from time to time as well. Yeah. When, and people will come up to me and they'll, they'll tell me about their their idea and and they'll they'll want to tell me how amazing it is and how they've uh, figured out this 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 cool way to do something that's never been done before. And um, and and they they know people who will come and work for them once they get it launched. And, and they even have the domain name. You know, I mean, they got the domain name and everything. You know, like, cool. Why don't you go sell it? And they're like, oh, well, it's not quite ready yet. And, and every, they, they all have a reason 
for not going out there and selling the thing that they've built. And for me, you don't have a business and you can't really even call yourself an entrepreneur. You certainly can't call yourself uh, a business owner until you have sold and served. Mm, and, and the former is required to execute on the latter, right? You need to get somebody to buy the thing. And then, yes, you need to deliver. But if mm. you're running a business, this is a commercial endeavor. Somebody needs to buy it. And, and you don't know that you have something of value until somebody has exchanged money for that thing. That is the ultimate sign of value. And, and so we say, until you have sold and served 10, just go out there and sell 10 mm. of the thing. I don't care if the thing is a thousand, 10,000 or a buck, go sell 10. Make sure that people, when you're done, are really happy that they did business with you. Get your feedback, get the testimonials. If they're not happy, you know, now you know what to go and fix. But that's step one. And yeah, everything else is just, um, you know, at best, uh, you know, window dressing and at worst, uh, an excuse to play business because you don't really want to actually do the hard work of business. Yeah, that, man, that's a good, it's a clarion call right there. You literally run a company called Scalable. So let's talk about um, the difference between growth and scaling. How do you describe that? So I got my start, I, I launched my very, I'll keep this story short, but I launched my very first business from my college dorm room in 1999. And the internet was new. And back then, you know, if you knew how to generate traffic on the internet, you could probably make something work. And so the edge, the hack, the thing that you needed to know how to do was marketing. And so I've always identified as a marketer, even though I've always operated, you know, bought businesses, started businesses, sold businesses. Uh, I've always identified as a marketer. And the company that I'm probably still best known for today is digitalmarketer.com. We have an event, Traffic and Conversion Summit. And so we're really good at marketing and we're really good at growth. And if somebody was going to say, well, simply kind of define what is growth. Growth is the increase of a particular predefined metric. That's what growth is. And so if somebody's going to say, well, you know, what is like, what is growth? Growth could be, well, if you want to increase your traffic, that's growth. What's the metric? Maybe it's unique visitors. Same. You want to build your list. That's growth. You want to increase your sales, your revenue, uh, your monthly recurring revenue. All of that, if we're taking a metric and we're seeking to grow it, that's growth, right? That is growth, simply put, and marketing and sales can help drive that. Um, what I've discovered, though, in my career is that as critical in mar as you know, marketing and sales are, as critical as growth is, growth is not enough. Growth is not the answer. So you ask, what's the difference between growth and scale? Growth is the increasing of a particular metric. Scale is the increasing of capacity, hmm. right? Scale is the increasing of the capacity, the capacity to grow that particular metric. And I have grown. Uh, the reason I know growth is not enough is because I've personally grown businesses into oblivion. I have grown businesses and had them going so, so fast that the wheels came off and the business fell apart, right? And, and there are lots of other businesses that they grow and then they stall out because they've frankly reached the full extent of their capacity, which means they actually have a scale issue. Uh, and there's lots of reasons that businesses could kind of hit that ceiling. Uh, but what I can tell you is if you're just saying growth, 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 growth is the answer, uh, at some point you will, you're going to hit a ceiling. No Sorry. question about it. You will hit a ceiling and it's going to be earlier than you want. Uh, and it's going to be more painful uh, than you would think it would be when your head knocks up against it. So uh, what are, I mean, obviously the whole book, uh, which this is a plug for, guys, read this book. I can't wait to dive into this. I haven't yet. 
The whole book runs through this. We'll talk about operating systems, but what are three or four key things to achieving scale? Well, so if you think about why do businesses stall out? Um, a business could stall out because you just ran out of market. The total addressable market was small. You know, you are uh, a real estate agent in, you know, Tudsuck Ferry, Arkansas, and there's only, you know, there's one road and there's eight houses. And so, you know, if those, if all eight of those houses turned over every single year, you could do eight deals, except they don't. And so you're limited. A lot of people think that, that that's the issue. It almost never is. The world is big. Markets are huge. You can always expand. So it's usually not that kind of, kind of challenge. Um, a lot of people think that, oh, I'm, I'm just out of ideas. Ah, but you're not really out of it. Ideas are plentiful. You can ask people, you know, it's more of an execution type thing. The main reason, and Lee Iacocca said, businesses move at the speed of the CEO. Businesses move at the speed of the CEO, and he didn't mean it as a compliment. What he basically was saying is that most businesses cap out because the entrepreneur capped out. And the reason most entrepreneurs cap out is because they only have 24 hours in a day. Um, they're expected to sleep for six to eight of those. If they've got a family, the family's going to want to see them at some point in time. So they're finite. They're absolutely finite. But just about every business, definitely every business that I've started, but most of the businesses that, that stall out, stall out because the entrepreneur is operating on what we refer to as a you operating system. They're the operating system and the operating system is them. And they know how to do everything and the systems exi exist in their head and it's all just there. And so the real secret is we've got to get the operating system out of us, get it separate, get it upgraded and get it run by other people. So when somebody says, okay, I've hit that spot, and you get out of me to other people, what are a couple of the steps toward that external operating system? Let me tell you what not to do first because it's what everybody Great. does. <laughs> There's two things that almost everybody does um, and they're both the wrong thing to do first. Um, the first thing that everybody will do is they'll they'll just try to hire people, right? So they say, I'm busy. I'm going to hire people to do all this stuff. And, and there's lots of good books out there that talk about the importance of hiring. You hear people, your people are everything. Um, you know, it's not about how to do something. It's about who you need to do sure. it. Who right? before, there's how, lots oh, of good yeah. things. Sure. Yeah, right. And, and so people will say, go hire folks. Well, the problem is um, that if you haven't clearly defined the work that you need done, um, and if you're really busy, yourself, you're going to go and hire this person, bring them in. They're not going to know what they're doing. They're not going to know as well as you and you couldn't pull it off. Right? <laughs> so and true. So I've seen this so many like, times, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Same, man. I've done it. And we we hired these poor people and they're talented and they, and, they, and they really care at least for the first bit. And it's like we start throwing human beings at problems and we're like, here, human, fix this. And they don't, and they fail, and we declare that 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 they're dumb and they suck, and that I'm never going to hire anybody anymore. And I just, if, if it needs to be done, it, it validates the entrepreneurial lie that the only one who can do any of this stuff is me, right? So don't hire people. That's not step one. It is a step, but it's not step one. The other thing that people will do is, and it happens a lot around the end of the year, first of the year, is is they'll go, uh, I need to do goal setting. I need to do goal setting. I need to do you know, strategic planning. We just need to get everybody in the room and we just need to do goal setting. The problem is if you haven't solved for the capacity issues, number one, you don't actually know what you're capable of. And number two, it's just kind of a pipe dream. You're talking about the what, but not the how. Yep. So the first step to, to really figure out your company's operating system is not to have another meeting. It's not to hire people. It is to ask the question, how do we create value? 
It's such a simple question, but if I were to ask most businesses, how do you capture and create marketplace value? How do you capture and create marketplace value? And this primarily happens in two ways. Way number one, you need to attract and convert new customers and clients. We call that a growth engine. So you can't create marketplace value unless you capture the opportunity, right? You've got to sell somebody. So how do you get clients, right? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is once you have them, what do you do to deliver on the promise that you made to get them in the first place? If you think about it, that's business, right? That, that's what business is. 101, do. yep. That's it, right? Yeah, we get customers, we serve customers, right? We sell them, we serve them. That's what we do in its core essence. But if I were to ask most business owners, how do customers happen in your business? How do clients happen in your business? How do patients happen? How do parishioners happen? Like, how do these, how do they happen? Most really wouldn't know. The ones that do could tell me, but they couldn't show me. And so the first thing that we do with all of our clients, what I talk about um, in the book, uh, which is called Get Scalable, is we walk through a process called business process mapping. And you literally get out post-it notes and whiteboards and you visibly map your, the process of how do customers happen. And then you say, great, this is how customer happen. We now have a visible map of how they happen. Now, what happens once we got them? And same thing, you visibly map. And there's a post-it note for every single stage. And sometimes like, well, it depends. You know, if this happens, it'll go this way. If this happens, it'll go that way. All you do is turn on a diagonal, make it a diamond. And now you can kind of map that out. It's a really simple process. You can actually... If you got an MBA, uh, you could take a class on business process mapping. I didn't, by the way. So we just figured out how to redneck this thing, but mm -hmm. it works. Sure. And that's step one. Step one is to have an answer to the question, how do you capture and create marketplace value? And until you answer that question, you shouldn't hire somebody. You shouldn't set goals. You really shouldn't even begin creating playbooks and SOPs. Because right? you can protect that value. The, the idea is once, once you know then you can actually hire the right people and protect the way that you're holding value so value doesn't leak? Bango. So we've got our map, right? So I want you to imagine a whiteboard filled with post-it notes. And if it's, how do you, how do you, you know, generate clients? Maybe you're running Facebook ads, or maybe you're doing trade shows, or maybe you're walking around knocking on doors. And all you do is whatever that initial point of awareness is, you write that down in a post-it note, you stick it on the whiteboard. And you say, great, then what? Well, then they're going to go to this landing page, or then we're going to have this conversational script. Great. Then what? Then what? And you simply map the whole process. Congratulations. You've visually mapped your value creation flow. You do that for the fulfillment. Now you go back step two and you ask, how do we do these individual steps? So this one right here, you know, when we talk to this person, this step right here, how do we do that? And the ones that are truly critical, the ones that you don't want to screw up, we call those power stages. Those are the ones that you actually build standard operating procedures and checklists and audits and playbooks around. So you don't need to document everything, just those. Then you go step three and you say, great, now who is uniquely accountable to this step? Who do we need to do this? And if you're like most entrepreneurs, you're going to go through and you're going to say, well, me, I do that one. Me, I do that one. That one's me too. That one's me too. That one's me too. And you start building a list of all of the critical tasks that your company goes through to create value. And now when you hire somebody, you're able to, to bring them in and say, okay, Joe, you're going to do this thing here. And this is where it fits in the broader value creation process. And here's a playbook on how to do it. Get to work. They've got the high level concept. They understand where it fits in the value creation flow. And they got a playbook for how to do it. 
Now we can go, we can create scorecards around these things. Now it makes sense to actually have meetings because we've got something to talk about at the meetings. Yeah. And then and only then can you do some goal setting. That is the process. And it's different. I promise you, I did not want to write another book that was just like every other book that had been written. The key difference is the business process mapping. It's what nobody does and it makes all the difference in the world. Mm, okay. I was going to ask, how might this relate to traction, EOS, um, and, and even other operating systems? Yeah, all great books. Um, but I would argue that they're not truly an operating system, right? What they really are is this is how you hold meetings and this is how you do strategic planning and goal setting. It is a part of it. But what they're what most of these books are giving you is a process for running your business and they want you to cram your business into it. Mm. We take a completely upside down approach. We start with the question of how do you create value at Acme Incorporated? You know, how do you capture and create marketplace value? Let's start from there and let's build the operating system around that. Beautiful. Let's build the team around that. It really is a value first approach, not a, well, this is what I want, goal setting first approach. <laughs> Running in the back of my mind is that John Maxwellism of just always, we want to add value. How can I add value? What percentage of businesses do you think could actually tell you specifically how they add value? Just rough guesstimate. About 0%. Approximately I mean, zero percent. If I'm going to approximate it, you know, it, and 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 I can say this because we've we've literally had thousands of clients. I mean, I've had I've had rooms full of hundreds of people where I, where I've I've asked question: How many of you could tell me how you how you create value? How many of you could tell me um, how you're going to add value to a client? So you got a client, you got a customer. Tell me how you create value. I'll pass on the mic, and they can generally explain it to me. I'll go great. Show me. Show me a workflow because if you tell me, I'll forget. If you tell me, I'll come up with my own variation of it. But if I can visibly see it, now I got it. And and, and again, it doesn't work if it's just a checklist because these things aren't linear. There's there's all kinds of, because the question that you're asking when you do this is, then what? Then what? Okay, so this is going to happen, then what? And oftentimes the answer you get is, well, it depends. If they ordered the blue one, then we're going to do this. If they mm -hmm. ask for the red one, we're going to do this. So checklists don't work for that kind of thing. And there is a process for how to do it. Um, and it's called business process mapping. The trouble is, is typically if you were going to get this done, the biggest companies in the world, by the way, they all do this. They hire Six Sigma certified black belts to come in. They charge them hundreds of thousands of dollars for a short-term engagement to basically hand them flowcharts that they could have done themselves with post-it notes and a whiteboard and a- And Ryan's you know, a $25 brand new book that he's arming yeah. you with. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Um, it just did not, it's not that difficult. It is simple. It's just that nobody does it. Mm, interesting. All right, take three minutes and, and poke at me here. If I say how we at Stay Forth through our coaching add value to leaders- is by helping them to clarify their obstacles and then what it's going to take to climb over them or through them, and then their opportunities, what it's going to take to seize those. What would you poke holes at in that? I would say it sounds like a really good kind of statement of purpose and what you do. It's a good description. But if I just came to work for you, I would be thinking, lovely, beautiful. I have no idea what role I play in this. Great. So, so what build down is, from there? Well, so what I'd say is you've got a new client, right? Let, let's start, because really, we're going to always help. We're going to start by mapping the growth engine first, then the fulfillment engine. Because okay. if you under if you have your growth engine and your fulfillment engine, you have the entirety of the customer journey. So let's just think about the, the fulfillment engine. You've got a new client. 
somebody gives you money, then what happens? I'm trying to think because things have already happened. At that point, they get their questionnaire, which we're asking questions about obstacles, opportunities, and then coaching sessions are on the map. I'm having them take some assessments so that we get some context. And then we're going to meet face-to-face and begin to analyze all the context of what I know after that. So they're going to give money. Do you call that first meeting anything? Yeah, break like a- breakthrough coaching session. We're going to try to break cool. through one specific area that's hurting them the most. So somebody buys, that's going to start the fulfillment engine. Then you're going to have your breakthrough coaching session, right? Now, you know... If, if I were to say, how do you do a breakthrough coaching session? You could say step-by-step step how to do that. But the how you do the breakthrough coaching session, that's what would get documented as a playbook, a standard operating procedure, Got right? It. After the breakthrough coaching session, then what happens? Then we continue at a more regular flow with folks. Um, and we push into the obstacles and the opportunities regularly. The deliverables are tools along the way, approximately one per session for the next 10 sessions. And ultimately, they're going to break through one of those uh, big areas that's holding them back and see either impact or income or both from that. So I would want the specific, Suzanne, I'm, I'm working for you. I'm yeah. going to execute this. Totally. So we're going to do the breakthrough coaching session. Now, as an outcome of that, I probably would need to schedule the other coaching sessions, right? Yep. Ideally, they're so all prob- scheduled in a line for, for months, but... Yeah, exactly. No, but that's it. So uh-huh. that So are the coaching sessions scheduled? If yes, hold next coaching session. Nice. Okay. Right? If not, schedule coaching sessions, right? Okay. And now the way that you hold a coaching session is you've got a very specific process to that. But I bet there's an outcome that if it's not achieved, you're going to do something else. And if it is achieved, you're going to do that. And you have a way, probably, I'm guessing that that you're going to go in and do like a quarterly evaluation or an annual evaluation that's going to restart the process or trigger a new one. But if you were to really sit down there you know, and map, okay, we do this. Then what do we do? Then what do we do? all the way through visibly mapping how you work with a client at each and every stage of that process. You know, Then we're going to send this follow-up email. Yep. Then we're going to have them take this assessment. Then we're going to do this. Now, all of these exist in a visible form and you could say, who does this? Great. Who does this? Great. And, and even later on, how do we know this is working? Right? Now, that's how we're building scorecards. Totally. Measurable um, scorecards. How can we, we up-level this experience? It really does all start with that that visible good. Um, process. And Ryan, would you say a rel- relatively successful company that knows themselves, been around for a while, generally knows those steps and they really, the magic isn't just visualizing those or may they have some serious gaps in their even knowing their awareness? Most of the clients that we work with, they do know it. It's, it's a little bit, sometimes it takes, um, you know, some 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 passes through because it's like okay so just so I'm clear and this is why the first step is you're always going to do kind of a rough outline uh, and then you're going to bring in your stakeholders like other members of your team and you're going to say well what do we miss and they're like well you forgot about the whole thing where I call to make sure that they got all the stuff yep. and you forgot about the step where we send out the you know the box of things to welcome them like oh yep. yeah I did so now you're adding post-it that's why we like post-it notes because you can easily pick them up and move them around yeah totally. right. And so the stakeholder review is a is a part of it. So most people generally know, but it's the curse of knowledge. Mm. It, it's if I were to ask you, um, describe to an alien how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, 
right? You would say, okay, well, step one is you got to get bread. It's like, well, where do I get bread? Oh, well, you got to go to the store and buy bread. Oh, okay. Yep. And then I just rip open the bag. Oh, no, you untwist the thing and you open it up. Like, there's actually more steps within, and you don't want to get so granular. Again, that's why we've got the playbooks. They can get more granular. Totally. But I will find that people will miss steps, not because they don't know about it, but because they know it too well. Great. Man, I love this. I'm excited to dive in. Thanks for the free consulting there. And I love that challenge of whatever's working for you, visually map that out, move that around before you bring somebody else on. Very timely for me. Just wanted to end with this question. You talk about the founder's curse. I coach a lot of founders. They're wrestling through you know, that F word. What is the founder's curse? And then what's the pathway forward through it? The founder's curse is the acknowledgement. This is not a new concept, but it's it is the acknowledgement that everything that made you great at the start will become a liability at scale. Mm-hmm. What got you here? Your ability. Get you there kind of idea. Yeah. What got you here? What's, and it's not just what got you here isn't going to get you there. It's more extreme than that. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that made you great is the very thing you must die to at the next level. Wow. Because everything that made you great was going in and diving in and figuring it out. And at scale, your issues and your challenges become bigger than you. Your issues and your challenges, guess what? Become non-Googleable. Even if you had time to figure them out, you, you don't even know the questions to ask anymore. And so the game so fundamentally changes. It's not an growth and scale are not ascending up an ever increasingly high mountain. It is a fundamentally different mountain. From zero to a million dollars is one mountain, and then after that, it's a different mountain. And we found that it repeats. On the threes and the zeros, you're going to hit it again at 3 million and at 10 million. Mm. You're going to hit it again at about 30 million. It just keeps happening. And it's because everything that made you great at the previous stage of growth is that very thing that you must die to at the next one. That's the founder's curse. Wow. Man, such a good close to that. We have so much more to talk about. However, friends, it is in the book, Get Scalable. Ryan, thanks for what you do. Thanks for who you are. And thanks for the free consulting for me today. I appreciate it. Anytime. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks a bunch. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but I just want to bring it up again. The Effective Leader Cohort starts in just a few weeks. Guys, I don't know if there's a better deal right now in leadership development. To invest eight weeks in learning these eight core skills with a group of people like you that's non-judgmental and they're grappling for what does health look like? How do I sustain this? And I want to grow. I want to accomplish my goals. I want to lead people well this year. Don't hesitate. Jump into the Effective Leader Cohort at a price point everybody can handle. We know one-on-one coaching is expensive and we also understand that you've got some big goals and there can be quite a bit of pressure this year. Join us and leaders like you for the Effective Leader Cohort Registry.